Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we're going to spend a second week in the 10th chapter of the book of Mark, verses 1 through 12. Last week, Pastor Jim explained the passage for us. This week, we'll pick up where we left off. Scripture here touches on the topic of divorce. The Pharisees came asking him whether it was lawful for a man to divorce his wife. When they were trying to trap Jesus in a theological debate, in his response, Jesus referred them immediately to God's word. What did scripture say about it? And Jesus shifted the focus from divorcing for any reason to God's original design for marriage. What is God's view on divorce? This week, we'll dive a bit deeper into the reality of divorce among us and God's response to divorce and the divorced. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, Is It Okay to Divorce? Part 2. Question, is it okay to divorce? Looking through the text, number one, do not test the Lord. Don't try to win an argument when you're disagreeing with the Lord. Number two, do not harden your heart. Finally, Accept your responsibility, the last three verses for today. Mark 10, 10 through 12. In the house, so after the confrontation with the Pharisees, in the house, the disciples began questioning him about this again. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she herself divorces her husband and marries another man, she is committing adultery. Now, before anybody is trying to find a way to slink out, um, stay with me here. As I keep saying, no one passage includes every word of this interaction, and no one passage includes every word of Uh, the teaching in the Bible on divorce and remarriage. We have to put a lot together. But for now, jump over to Matthew chapter 19, the parallel to this. Matthew includes some words that Mark doesn't. uh, Matthew 19, Jesus says, And I say to you, this is to the disciples alone, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. Now, there's a very clear statement from Jesus on When a divorce is permitted, never commanded, when it is permitted between two believers. And then his comment about remarriage. He uses this phrase, except for immorality. That rules out all but one reason for a divorce between two believers. Immorality is the Greek word porneia. All of our words that have P-O-R-N in them as, as a root, they all derive from that word. That word includes all sexual activity of any kind other than between a man and a woman who are married to each other. It's a very broad, all-inclusive word. Now, just to round that out a little bit, the only other case in which divorce and remarriage are permitted for a Christian 
is the one that's described in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where it says, if an unbelieving spouse leaves the marriage, let them go. The believer is free to remarry. You're called to peace. So Jesus spells this out here so that there can be no misunderstanding. When He says, and marries another woman, He commits adultery. Why is that? Put on your thinking cap for a moment. It's not really all that hard. By the way, the word adultery, not porneia, but moikeia, that is the word for sexual activity of a married person with anyone other than his or her spouse. If you're unmarried and you commit that sin, it's called porneia. If you're married and you commit that sin, it's called moikeia. No difference in the sin, only a different label based upon marital status. So if you get a divorce for any reason other than adultery or an unbeliever departing from the marriage, it's not a valid divorce in the eyes of God before whom you have entered into that covenant. Therefore, regardless of whether you have any man-made documents from the government, you are still married to your original spouse if the divorce was not lawful. And therefore, to enter into another marriage is to enter into adultery. Likewise, if you marry someone who has been divorced for any reason other than those two allowed, you also commit adultery. That's what the Bible says. It's not ambiguous. A lot of people really don't like that. They don't want the Bible to say that. They don't want to be accountable to that standard. But again... Go ahead and say, I disagree with God, but don't say that God mumbled and He wasn't clear in what He said. Now, one more peek to Matthew 19. Tells us, the disciples understood. You know, we've been beating these guys to pieces for all the things that they haven't understood. Give them kudos for this one day. They understood something. They really did get it. When Jesus declared that divorce is never commanded, only permitted because of hardness of hearts, and even then, only permitted as a last resort when there is adultery involved, His disciples realized He just set the standard really high. So Matthew 19.10, the disciples said to Him, and they did what the disciples tend to do, a little bit hyperbolic here, they said, If the relationship of the man with his wife is like this, it's better not to marry. I mean, if this shoot doesn't come with a ripcord, I don't want in. They said that because they understood. Marriage is designed by God to be a lifelong monogamous commitment. It's a binding agreement. It's a very big deal. And the standard is very high. Any discussion of divorce should always start there. Marriage is a solemn oath before God. Divorce is allowed only in the most extreme circumstances. But nevertheless, even though they said, well, you know, I mean, if that's the way it is, deal me out. Well, take into account the original design of God. He created them male and female and said, for this cause, you're going to want to have a husband or have a wife. He designed us male and female. He built into most people, the vast majority of people, the desire to be married. Therefore, while it is less trouble to remain single, and by the way, 
it is less trouble to remain single, that'll never be the norm. Most people will get married. And by the way, if you're single, there's a great statement. Don't marry someone you could live with. Marry someone you can't live without. Make sure you keep the standard where it really ought to be. And that's a whole other subject that I probably shouldn't even have introduced at this point. If we had more time, we could look at what Jesus and Paul say about the special gift of remaining single. Another time we will. The disciples realize despite the very liberal views of divorce in their world, that Jesus requires the highest possible view of marriage and its commitment. They were right to realize, if you're not willing to make the commitment, it's better not to marry. But the rigors of the commitment required in marriage isn't meant to deter you from being married. Rather than that, it's supposed to show you what an amazing thing this is. It is a work of God to put two lives together and make it for His glory. Lifelong loving commitment is the very thing that makes marriage the most special and fulfilling human relationship there can be. A pastor friend of mine wrote this, and I have known that this story has been verified He said, some years ago, I heard the story of an elderly minister who had been married for 50 years. One morning at the breakfast table, his wife slumped over the table unconscious. By the time her husband got her to the hospital, she was dead. After the funeral, he said to his sons, this is a good day, a wonderful day. They asked what he meant. He explained, well... I know she is with the Lord now, and I'm glad she went first. That's the way I wanted it to be, because I didn't want her to have the grief of burying me and of having to live alone. Some years later, that minister was asked to speak at a feminist meeting on the subject of marriage. He recounted his wife's death and his gratitude that she had died first. Listen, he told them, anybody who knows the meaning of true love always wants the other person to go first because they wouldn't want them to endure the pain and the sorrow and the anxiety and the loneliness of burying the one they've loved. I dare say that the modern romantic relationships that try to pass for love are a far cry from, the kind of, from that kind of feeling and that kind of reality. He was right. What is love? Doing what is best for the other person. May God work in all of us the right attitude toward marriage so that we can minister to people who have marital problems because they are one and so that we can obey God. Father, how we thank you for your clear word. Thank you for your amazing, astounding grace. Thank you for every soul here and all that you have done to bring them to this day. Father, in a, in a passage like this, I'm sure it brings up many pangs, and I know that your grace is sufficient for each one of them. Above all, 
May we speak truth in love. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.